Hello, new, old, and slightly used to Ozpol Explained, your number one destination for explainers about how the Australian political system works, and today I'll be talking about referendums. What are they for, huh? What do they do? This episode will cover what a referendum is, the process to make a referendum happen, how voting in a referendum works, and why they happen in the first place. Basically, a referendum is a nationwide vote where the public chooses if we should change the constitution or not. Constitution isn't just a stat in Dungeons and Dragons, it's a document which, like Dungeons and Dragons, has a lot of rules about how things should be run. Australia's constitution has 128 sections in it, and each section is a rule that defines things like the powers and composition of the federal parliament and its relationships with the states. The constitution also covers things like the courts, so it creates the high court, which is the final court of appeal, which also makes judgments on whether something is constitutional or not. It also creates a few rights for citizens. Think of it like the foundation of a building and the ideas and laws that Parliament makes are the brick and mortar on top of it. So the Constitution creates both the power of the Federal Parliament but also its limits. You can't build a wall or a window hovering above nothing if there isn't a foundation to support it. That, in this analogy, would be unconstitutional. And also witchcraft. So, for example, the federal government can make laws to do with taxes because section 51 of the constitution says so. But section 116 also then protects freedom of religion and prevents the federal government from putting any form of religious test or qualification for public office. One important limit is section 128 itself, which says that the constitution cannot be changed except by a referendum. So let's dive into that. Because the constitution is the foundational document that defines what the parliament can and can't do to ensure governments can't just start rewriting it whenever they want, it is up to all Australian voters to decide if any change is a good idea or not. So let's talk about the process of how a referendum works. Step one, parliament introduces a specific bill that outlines the change that it wants to make and defines the new wording of the constitution. Normally this idea is examined, debated, and then voted on in both chambers, the House of Representatives and the Senate. Step two, within two to six months of that bill passing, the referendum is held. This means that the public has time to also then examine, discuss, debate, and then vote on whether or not they agree with it. Step three, it passes if it has a double majority and the constitution is changed. There is, however, a chance that the government passes a referendum bill in the House of Representatives and then goes to the Senate and the Senate goes, mm, no, votes it down and it stops there. It's possible to never get taken to the public because it couldn't get through Parliament. But this is where step 1.5 comes in. The Governor General makes it happen anyway. If a referendum bill is passed in one chamber and then rejected by the other and then reintroduced again after three months, passed in its original chamber and then rejected again by that second one, well, it can just be given to the Governor General and they can decide to resolve the deadlock. The key word there is can, not must. The Governor General 
can choose to resolve the deadlock by letting the public vote. It's optional. In 1914, the Senate wanted a referendum. This bill passed the Senate and was sent to the House of Representatives. They went, nah, don't like it. The Senate then waited three months before it reintroduced the bill, voted to pass it, gave it to the House of Representatives, and once again, it was voted down. Being rejected twice may have hurt the Senate's feelings, but it meant that they were able to then take that bill to the Governor-General and be like, hey, can we have a referendum anyway? And the Governor-General, much like the House of Representatives, said no. The proposed referendum was pretty similar to one that had been held a year before, which had failed. The public voted it down, so the Governor-General didn't really see a point in having it rejected again. But this double rejection idea with a three-month waiting period goes both ways. In 1973, the House of Representatives had four ideas for changes to the Constitution. The Senate agreed with three of them. So the House just waited three months, and then had the fourth rejected again, asked the Governor-General permission to hold a referendum, and the Governor-General went, yeah, go for it. Have fun, you kids. All four referendums failed. That's pretty standard, actually. Here's the thing, it's very difficult for a referendum to succeed. As of this episode, there have been only 44 referendums held since Federation in 1901. Only eight have succeeded. This is because there's a high bar for success. There needs to be a double majority. Remember when I mentioned that three minutes ago? The first majority in a referendum is to get more than half of Australian voters to agree with the idea. So if only 49% of the public thinks it's a bad idea, it fails. However, even 51% or 60% isn't a guarantee it'll succeed because the second majority requires a majority of voters in at least four out of six states. This is because, you know, Victoria and New South Wales have way more people than Western Australia or South Australia. So if more people in those two states vote yes, that'll skew the overall result towards that side. But to prevent the smaller states from getting steamrolled, well, that's what the majority states rule comes in. If it's three yes, three no states, that means it fails. Now, just a quick little note, the people in territories, they count towards the first majority of the overall voting population, but they don't count towards the state majority. There is a specific situation that requires a triple majority. That is where a referendum would affect a specific state, like its boundaries or its representation, and then you'd need the agreement of that affected state for it to pass. So if there was a referendum to change it so Tasmania didn't get as many senators as every other state because its population is so small, then, well, it doesn't matter if all the other states gang up and vote yes, if Tasmania votes no, it fails. The Constitution says no to bullying smaller states. So how does voting in a referendum work? Well, just like general elections, Australian citizens who are 18 or older must enrol to vote and then vote. You should visit aec.gov.au, the Australian Electoral Commission website, to either enrol to vote if you haven't already, or update your details if you've moved house recently. That AEC is your friend, they will have a lot of information to help you out. Voting is pretty simple. You will be given the question for the proposed change and asked if you like it or not. You simply write yes or no in the box. 
do not write anything else on the ballot, please. Uh, and especially do not alter the wording of the question with like your pen or pencil, because that might make your vote informal, which means it's not counted. So please vote properly. But how do you know how to vote? Usually an information pamphlet is provided that outlines the yes and no arguments. The members who voted yes on the referendum bill in parliament decide what to write for the yes pamphlet, and the same goes for those who voted no get to write the no argument. They get 2,000 words each to make their argument. It's then distributed by the Australian Electoral Commission. There will also be translation services, so people who have low English skills can understand as well and cast their vote. Please do note, though, that the AEC does not regulate truth in political communication, right? Except when it comes to misinformation on, like, how voting works. So if someone lies to you about how filling out your ballot works, then the AEC has a disinformation register. If there is something in the pamphlet for the yes or no argument that is misleading about the actual impact of the change to the constitution, then that's up to you, the voter, to research and determine how that affects your vote. Currently, there aren't laws that regulate truth in political communications for federal elections or referendums. Do keep in mind, sometimes people lie. What? So while those pamphlets are a good beginning to understand the yes and no campaigns, I encourage you to do more research to better understand what the yes and no campaign is about and also help you shape your view. And also you might come up with a reason to vote yes or no entirely outside or irrelevant to what's presented to you in that pamphlet. Why people vote for specific things is entirely personal. So. Why change the constitution? The reasons vary, but it could be to allow the parliament to make laws on an issue that it couldn't without constitutional change. For example, the 1967 referendum on Aboriginal Australians allowed the federal government to make laws in regards to Aboriginal Australians and have them included in the census. The amount of seats that a state gets in the House of Representatives is based off population, which until then excluded Indigenous people. Also before this, decisions on Indigenous affairs were the powers of the states, so while Aboriginal people could vote in other states, it wasn't until 1962 they could in Western Australia, and then 1965 they got the right to vote in Queensland. The referendum allowed the federal parliament to create nationwide anti-discrimination legislation and make laws that recognise indigenous land rights. The referendum on Aboriginal Australians was by far the most successful, with over 90% of people voting yes. People who lived in territories also weren't able to vote in referendums until 1977 because the constitution only mentioned people in states. Thanks to the 77 referendum on referendums, now the people who live in territories get to vote and are included in the overall majority of population, the first majority in the double majority clause. But like I said, most referendums fail. So also in 1967, on the exact same day as the Aboriginal referendum, there was another idea that most people just did not like. In fact, it was one of the least popular referendums in history at that point. Basically, the House of Representatives is, as practical as possible, twice the size of the Senate. So currently that's 151 seats to 76. 
New South Wales has more people in it, therefore in the House it gets more seats than Western Australia or Tasmania. But to even this out, the Senate is the state's chamber, and each state gets the equal amount of 12 senators each. The 1967 Nexus referendum asked the public if they could make it so the House of Representatives could increase in size without necessarily increasing the size of the Senate. This would allow more populous states to have more power effectively, and the only state to vote yes was New South Wales, which in a weird coincidence also happens to be the most populous state and therefore would benefit directly from this idea. And what a surprise, Tasmania, the least populous state, was the one with the biggest no vote to be like, hey, don't do that, please? Stop bullying Tasmania. Stop it. They're so small, just leave them alone. Side note, a plebiscite is different. You may have heard the term plebiscite in conversations about referendums. It's similar to a referendum in that it is a public vote. However, plebiscites are different to referendums in a few ways. One, voting in them is optional. Two, they're not to do with constitutional matters. Three, the government does not have to pay attention to the results. They are non-binding. This basically means that the government is capable ahead of time of making whatever change it is that the plebiscite offers the public a chance to vote on. And then it also gives the opportunity for them to ignore the results of the public vote. It's basically an expensive opinion poll, and we haven't really had many plebiscites in Australian history. We did have one in 1977 to change the anthem from God Save the Queen to what it is now, Advance Australia Fair. Instead of yes or no, voters were given multiple options as to which song they wanted, and Advance Australia Fair was the most popular, followed by Waltzing Matilda. But as I said, it's optional for the government to do anything about those results, so the government looked at it and went, thanks for the opinion. I don't like that though. We're not gonna do anything about that. So it took until 1984, when the government changed, for Advance Australia Fair to become our national anthem. So plebiscites are rare and, you know, optional, but referendums are super important. It's up to the community to judge and decide what changes to the constitution should or should not happen. We collectively democratically get to approve or disapprove of how the constitution shapes the future of our country. So please make sure when the public is next asked about what kind of proposed change there should be, talk about it with others and learn about it, research it, and get ready to express your opinion and vote. Thank you so much for tuning in. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. You know the classic call to action. Share this individually, one by one, with every single person you have on your friends list on social media, and also text it to all your family members who don't have social media. Do it. Do it. It helps this project grow. Thank you so much to my supporters on Patreon. Please comment down below what you would like to learn about next, and of course, I will see you next time.